imposing grandeur, the quality or state of being impressive or awesome. The purpose of studying theology and reading books, it's it's not to gain our own intellect, but rather it is to bring us to Him. Because when you see how glorious and how holy and how majestic our Creator is, the more you worship Him. He is our imposing grandeur. Hello everybody, it's me, Avery. Thanks so much for joining us back on Imposing Grandeur Radio. I'm here with Annie and Alexa. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Pretty good. Excited that today we're going to be talking about sanctification, and this is still a characteristic of God, even though it might not sound like it. Um, We know that the Lord sanctifies us, and so that is a part of His character. And so I just wanted to ask y'all, what do you think sanctification is, and how would you define it? Also, how would you define justification, and what do you think the differences are between the two of those? Well, um, in Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology, he has a really cool chart uh, that highlights the differences between justification and sanctification. So I'll read those real quick. Um, Justification is a legal standing before God, and sanctification is an internal condition. Justification's once and for all time. And it's entirely God's work where sanctification is continuous throughout the life and is uh, God working it, but also we cooperate in that. And then justification is uh, perfect, made perfect in this life. Sanctification is not made perfect in this life. And lastly, justification is the same in all Christians, whereas sanctification can be greater in the life of some versus the other. Hmm. That sounds good. Well, Annie, I see your Wayne Grudem definition, and I raise you a Lexham Bible Dictionary definition. (laughs) So, according to my research, I'm just kidding. Um, I think that was really helpful. Um, Just another way of thinking about it. Just, well, first, understanding that there is a distinction between justification and sanctification, Mm -hmm. that they are not interchangeable terms, but that justification refers to having saving faith. So it's being justified, having imputed righteousness onto you. Um, And then sanctification is referring to the process. And I think that's the key word. It is a process um, of a gradual purification from sin and progressive spiritual growth that should mark the life of a believer. Um, And so we see the doctrine of sanctification in the New Testament passages that emphasize to move toward a holy and righteous living that characterizes following Christ in faith. Um, and there are there's also this other definition that I saw, and it, it was like referring broadly to the concept of being set apart as sacred. And I thought that was really interesting because then there are Old Testament and New Testament implications for that. Mm-hmm. Because in the Old Testament, you see in Genesis 2-3, God sanctified the seventh day, meaning he set apart it. He set it apart as being holy and sacred. And then he also, in Leviticus, tells the entire people of Israel to maintain being sanctified in chapter 11, verses 44 through 45. And then similarly, um, in the New Testament, 
It reflects the idea that followers of Christ have been sanctified or set apart as a result of Christ's holiness. Um, and so this is the idea that Christians have been made holy before God through their faith in Christ that is related to justification. So two really, really big and intimidating words that just mean something very basic in terms of like, I mean, basic, but profound right. in the foundations of the Christian faith. Yeah. And I was just thinking, um, I guess you, this might be incorrect, but you could say justification is what frees you as a slave to sin and sanctification is the processing of making you a slave to righteousness. Yeah, yeah. that's a cool way of putting it. Yeah, that's kind of how I've differentiated it in my head. And I really like the um, verse in Romans, um, well, multiple verses, but Romans six seventeen through 19, that says, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you are committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. And so these verses are telling us that those that have become believers will no longer, like you were saying, Annie, be living in living in sin so they are not slaves to sin no any longer that we now have a new status and identity as a child of god he's transformed our hearts so that we will now grow in love of god's word and in righteousness giving ourselves fully to the lord and not to our sin as we once were before mm. yeah for sure and i think it's in i think it's important to note when talking about like justification and sanctification in the role specifically of salvation um Knowing that you're saved by faith alone, right? which is justification, so you're saved by faith alone, but, and I believe it's the Westminster Confession that states this, but it's not faith that remains alone, right? meaning that it's not, like the book of James says, faith without works is dead. Mm -hmm. And so it's not faith plus works, so we're not talking about Catholicism here, but faith that works. And so... You're saved by faith, not by sanctification. So like Annie said, people are in different seasons of sanctification. So you're not saved by how much, how sanctified you are. You're saved by justification in faith alone. But if you aren't being sanctified at all, then you don't have saving faith. Right. And that's something really important to consider. Um, and so sanctification is the sign of saving faith. It's not the cause of saving faith, but it is the sign of the saving faith. But what people tend to kind of misconstrue that sentence to mean is that, oh, okay, well then justification is the pardon. And now it's up to me to live a holy life and to keep God happy. Mm -hmm. So sanctification is kind of like, okay, thank you, Lord, for blotting out my sins. Now it's my job to do a good life. But no, that's not that's not it at all because then that puts the glory back on you and it right. the, it turns it into faith plus works, right? Right. So justification like we are saying is the imputed righteousness and then sanctification is the sign that you have that saving faith. Um and if your faith isn't producing change, your faith is dead. Like it says in James 2:26, for as the body for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Um, and so I just thought that that was, that was meant to be clarified yeah. when talking about salvation. No. Yeah. Amen. That's so important to remember. Um, so how do you think, since this is like a process that we obviously go through 
on our own and also with the Lord, how does this end up being a characteristic of God? Like how does he sanctify us? Like what does that look like in our lives? Um, so again, Wayne Grudem had a really good quote because while justification is entirely the work of God, sanctification is mostly the work of God that we contribute to. And his quote said, uh, our role is a passive one in which we depend on God to sanctify us and an active one in which we strive to obey God and take steps that will increase our sanctification. And Jesus Christ earned our sanctification for us. Jesus is our example mm -hmm. as to what we should be more like. And the Holy Spirit works that sanctification within our hearts. So God is the one that is doing most of the work, if not all of it. First Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul be body be blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's God primarily doing the sanctification within us, which makes it a characteristic of God because the Lord is a sanctifier. He is sanctifying. Yeah, and I love that. I love, too, in 2 Corinthians 3.18, um, it says, And we all, with an unveiled face, beholding the glory of the, of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Um, and I loved that you kind of honed in on, Annie, that we can't be sanctified without the work of the Holy Spirit. This is not something that we can do on our own. I would like to highlight that sanctification does look different for individuals because it's implied in 1 Corinthians 9 when Paul was speaking, speaking to the church in Corinth and saying, consider the weaker brother. That's still a Christian, and he's still, maybe he's struggling with things that the Lord hasn't sanctified him fully through in. And uh, like the context of that, He's saying, like, if a Jewish person that has now become a Christian is struggling with you eating meat, yes, you have the freedom in Christ to eat meat. But for the sake of the weaker brother who has not yet been sanctified in that way to realizing he is free in that, spare him by not indulging in those things. So I would say Christians, as we know that everyone's sanctified at different different ways and different paces, to consider the weaker brother and in your actions um, where you might understand you have certain freedoms in Christ are those um, putting up stumbling blocks for the weaker brother. So how would y'all encourage, um, I guess, people that feel like they're failing in their own sanctification process, like when they are maybe discouraged by their sin that they see, because obviously we're still going to be sinning as long as we're on this earth. Um, how would y'all encourage people that are on the path of sanctification? I think it goes back to the very first attribute that we talked about, which is that God is a gracious God. And I think there's a reason why we started off talking about that, because if you don't get that, then everything is going to be a battle. Mm -hmm. You have to understand that you are imperfect. And we're going to talk about this later in the podcast, like nobody is going to be get to this perfect sanctification level. Like that is impossible. And so I think just reminding yourself that it is not about you. Um, it is about God. And so if you find yourself overwhelming because you feel like an inadequate follower of Christ, 
just remind yourself that he works most in weaker vessels. His power is made perfect in your weakness. And um, he looks on those who are broken and contrite in spirit. Like there is a beauty, there's a beautiful paradox between his mighty character and our weak, fragile self. And so if you find yourself overwhelmed, pour your heart out to him in that way and just tell him the cares that are on your heart, knowing that you do feel weak, but don't do that while forsaking the truth that he is a gracious God Mm -hmm. and that he is not looking to laugh at you when you fall, but rather he is there upholding you with his righteous right hand, like Isaiah 41 10 says. So I would just encourage anybody in that don't lose sight of his grace, you know, embrace the grace, know that he only desires the best for you. And that best might look different than what you want it to look like. It could look like a really hard season of you learning how to give up everything and just solely rely on him. But in the end, that is your best. That is for your good. So it does look different in different people's lives, but we are all unified in the fact that we all serve a gracious God who does not seek to destroy us, but seeks to help us. And this um, verse that I actually have on my phone, Isaiah 64, 4, says, From of old, no, no one has heard or perceived by the ear, no eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. And so I would encourage any brother or sister who is just struggling with that, and even myself, these are things that I tell myself, recount the deeds of the Lord, recount his promises of old, meditate on his wondrous works. Um, just soak yourself in those promises of who he is as a God, not who you think he is, who that person is that you've made him up to be in your head. Because sometimes people think of God as I would think of the devil. Mm -hmm. People think and attribute to him qualities that are only for the devil. So, oh, he's just waiting to get me when I fall. That is Satan. (laughs) He He is the deceiver. He is the one who is constantly looking to devour. He's like a roaring lion, like it says in 1 Peter. So I would just cling to scripture and what you know about God and then preach that to yourself day and night. Yeah. Amen. That's so encouraging. And I think just remembering too, that Jesus was tempted by sin and he gently sympathizes with our weaknesses, like we see in Hebrews 4.15. And so like you were saying, Alexa, he can and will give us the strength to resist sin, provision to persevere when we feel like things are hopeless and the wisdom to choose righteousness in our walk. And that's what's so amazing about just being in relationship with the Lord is we can come to him when we fail. We can come to him asking for forgiveness and he is gracious to forgive us. And we can come to him in repentance being like, Lord, please take this from me. Like help me, give me strength to say no to this sin and say yes to following you instead and say yes to what you have for me. And, um, he can give us the strength to resist that and the love he can give us the love and adoration for his word. And that's what's so, so special. And I just love that reminder for sure. Right. I forget which pastor it was, but it was, oh man, I have so many different pastors floating around my timeline. <laughs> um, cause I've subscribed to a lot of their videos, but one of them said, why don't you Like they're answering the question of like, why can't I get rid of sin? And his answer was because you love it. Because you wouldn't be struggling with this if you didn't love it. And so sin at the end of the day is not defeating it with your own might, but it's defeating it with a bigger love. 
And so if you are not, so if you are struggling with sin and you are depriving yourselves of the word of God, if you are depriving yourself of having quality communion with God in the morning, um, whenever you feel like you are being tempted, you need to saturate your life with that. There is a reason why it calls the Bible a sword, a strong sword. There is a reason why we are called to put on um, the armor and to prepare for battle every single day because that's what it is. It is a battle. And we are not just fighting against um, somebody who wants us to stumble and fall. We are fighting against somebody who wants our soul, somebody who wants us to turn our back to God, somebody who wants us to live in corruption. Because although God desires the best for us, we live in a fallen world. There is an enemy who, like I said earlier, is is roaming around like a roaring lion waiting to devour. And so we need to arm ourselves with that. And so the only way to defeat sin, if you are struggling in this, Saturate yourself with brothers and sisters, um, community, fellowship with the word of God, with communion with God, um, and arm yourselves. Don't go into the battle. Nobody goes into the battle waving a little like feather duster. Like that's just (laughs) silly. You know, like I'm not going to go out and like be prepared to fight with this little thing in my hand. I'm going to like get the armor on. I'm going to get swords, you know, like you got to prepare. This isn't a game. Yeah. And I think too, remembering that that you were once a slave to this sin. This sin had you in its chains, but Christ, when he justified you, he freed you from those chains. And now you are free from that sin and you have the freedom to say no to that sin. Whereas before you didn't. And that has been really encouraging to me in my walk is knowing this sin that I am tempted to love so much enslaved me before. That's Mm -hmm. not a good thing. That is something that I should hate. And, Mm -hmm. but Christ, Christ is so much more worthy of my love because he freed me from that thing that sought to destroy me. Mm -hmm. And that's just like such a clear picture to me when thinking about like sanctification and loving sin and putting it to death. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. Um, And I know that we said this very like in passing, but I want to make sure that we make this very clear for our audience and maybe people that are struggling with this and not really unsure what the answer would be. But will sanctification result in our perfection in this life? And um, if not, what does that look like? When will we be perfected? I love in the New Testament, Paul is continuously painting in his epistles this picture of the old man and the new man. And it's so special to me because it does such a good job of painting this picture of sanctification because you are still, that old man is still there. The old man's ways are still there. And Paul talks about throwing off the old man and clothing yourself in the new. And, which is righteousness, holiness, um, kind, compassion, love, characteristics of God. And the old man would be representative of who you were before Christ, a liar, a murderer, um, et cetera. And it's just so cool to me because it shows you it's a process. It's a process of constantly throwing off the old man and clothing yourself in the new man. It's not this instruction of a one-time event that you must do. And it's really encouraging to the believer. And we know that we will not be uh, in Philippians 2 and Hebrews 12. It talks about how we will not be perfected until eternity. Mm -hmm. And um, which is such 
such life-giving news to the Christian because it, it's impossible. It is a process while we are in this sinful, broken world. And um, yeah. 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 I think like what Avery was saying, like the perfect sanctification, like is that even something that we can do? So it's actually something that religions certain religions, selected denominations actually believe in, and they call it sinless perfection. Mm -hmm. So even if you might be listening to this and you're like, wow, that's crazy. I can't believe like, like I could never be perfect. Like you're right. You can't, but some people believe that it is something that they can attain, but it is not only wrong. It is heretical because the Bible does not teach that. Like Annie was saying, there are implications in the new Testament with Paul saying literally, Oh, wretched man that I am in Romans seven. And then how he says, in his own words, not as I, although I have already attained it. And then he says, I'm not perfect and continues on, but saying, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call in of God in Christ Jesus in Philippians three. And then he even calls himself in first Timothy, the chief of sinners. And so it's like, here's this man, Paul, who is literally one of the most rockin' theologians of the day. <laughs> and if he calls himself the chief of sinners, well, then I'm just chopped liver. I don't know. Like what, like, what am I at that point? So it's like, but not only Paul, like we, we see in first Kings, there is no man that does not sin. We see in Proverbs 20, who can say I've uh, made my heart clean. I am pure from sin. Who can say that? Nobody can. Ecclesiastes 7, for there is not a just man on earth that does not good and sinneth not. First John 1, 8, which I think is a real kicker. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And so I think it's really interesting to note, like Paul says, calling himself the wretched man and chief of sinners. Um, we even see David in Psalm 19 talking about how he has secret faults that he doesn't even know of, but he knows that he's so saturated with sin that he can't even know the depths of his sin, let alone claim perfection. Um, and then even Job, who was literally targeted from the enemy because of how much of a God honoring man he was. But yet he says that he abhors himself and repents in dust and ashes in Job 42. And so I think there's actually, as ironic as this may seem, there's a beautiful picture of the more sanctified you become, the clearer the cl and the clearer you see and study Christ, the more sinful you reckon yourself to be. And I think we can say that for Paul's life specifically, but I found this quote um, and it didn't have any, it was an unnamed quote, but I think it really sums it up beautifully. It says the best Christians have been those who have been the least prone to claim the attainment of perfection for themselves. And I just think that's, that's so true. And we see that like Annie was saying with Paul. And so can you obtain perfection? No. Why? Because you still live in a fallen world. And like Annie said, you will not get to that that stage of glorification until we are not in this fallen world and we are made in our glorified state to live forever with Jesus. So although it's it's not attainable, it does not mean that we should not put effort and want to be made more perfect, want to be made more into the image of Christ, because that is at the end what we were created to do. And that is where pleasures are forevermore. Because if we're doing what we're made to do, that is where we're going to find the most joy. Right. And um, kind of on the flip side of that, which is, okay, well, I can't attain perfection. 
and I'm justified. So I know God is gonna like, I'm good. So I'm just going to live how I want to live. And in Romans six, Paul says, should I sin so that grace may abound? No. Mm -hmm. Paul emphatically says no. And, um, I think that's also something to consider because while you may consciously not have that thought process of, well, I'm good, I'm just going to sin, it's uh, doling it more realistically in your life might look like a doling to sin to I'm just going to do this thing because it's not that bad. But a good sign that you are being sanctified in the Holy Spirit is even those small sins that you used to think are not a big deal that God will forgive you for become a big deal in your life. Right. And Annie, that point that you made, like, well, what do we say? Like, I've been justified. Can I just live however I want? I I need to tell you all this story because it's really cool. Um, so and it's, I'm going to make it short. But Tim Keller was talking about this one young lady who came up to her. Um, and if you guys don't know Tim Keller, he's a great person. I have coffee with him every other week and we catch up on that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> yeah, right. He's a great pastor, theologian. <laughs> anyway, um, so he was talking about a woman that came up to him who wasn't a believer yet. And she was wrestling with this idea of like saved by grace versus works. And she was saying how she never really heard of being saved by grace and how that was so foreign to her. But then as she's talking to him, He said that she told him, it's scary. She said, if you're saved by works, there's a limit to what God can ask of you. So it's like you're a taxpayer. You know, he can ask certain things of you, but not anything. But if I'm really saved by grace, the woman continued, because of what Jesus has done, there's no limit of what he could ask of me. And my obedience would have to be unconditional. And so Mm. it's like. It isn't, oh, this is great. Now I can live any way I want. But rather, I owe him everything. And like you were saying, 1 Corinthians 6, we are not our own. We were bought with a price. Like, so it's not like, oh, I'm saved now and I can do whatever I want. Justification is free, but it was costly. Christ Jesus had to die for that. Hmm. And so we cannot make our own decisions. It isn't about us. Like I was saying earlier. So sanctification is our proper response to that justification saying, oh, and I know that like cliche phrase was going around a lot during the early 2000s, but like he died for me. So I'm going to live for him. It's kind of that idea. Like he died for me. So I'm going to live for him. But it's not like we're not like a debtor as some oppressed slave, but rather we're a debtor to grace. And it's this proper response of, wow. I cannot believe. And that affirms our justification because if we truly have saving grace or if we truly have saving faith, of course, we're going to want to serve him. Of course, we're going to want to do all of this stuff. Warren Wiersbe, I believe it was him who said, I'm not going to put in a picture frame the knife that somebody used to kill my family. And I think that's really cool in, in kind of alluding to the fact that if Christ paid for our sin by dying a torturous death on the cross, we're not going to meddle around with sin for fun Mm -hmm. like that sin that you're struggling with that costs something that costs jesus's life and so if you were truly a regenerate christian you're not going to want to participate in things like that and granted we struggle granted there are like things that we need to be sanctified through but it's like a dog returning to its vomit 
like you going back to these things that once enslaved you, like Annie said, like, why would you want to do that? There are two people in the Bible, people that are slaved to sin and people that are slaved to righteousness. And you cannot be both. Can only serve one master. Exactly. Yeah, it's so true. And it's just amazing that, I mean, the characteristics, we've only talked about three so far, but how amazing that God in his justice, in his grace, through the way he sanctifies us, they all work together and so so beautifully and so perfectly. It's just so incredible that we get to serve a God that um, gave us this gift. Like we're so undeserving and it's truly just mind blowing mm-hmm. to me to sit back and just think through like something that we listen to or hear the word sanctification all the time as Christians, but really unpacking it is just amazing to sit back and be like, wow, God, that you would even offer us this gift of being in relationship with you to experience this, to be sanctified Mm. and to one day be in heaven and be perfected in heaven with you one day. Like that is so mind blowing to me. Yeah. Yeah. What like piggybacking off what you said is like, not only did in our sin, God sent his son Christ to die for us. And if we believe in that, we have justification. But it's like he still is constantly outpouring his mercy upon us and his grace through sanctification. Because to me, I'm like, he's he's already done so much. He's already sacrificed his son to save us. And we're not perfect. We struggle. And I'm like, but yet that just shows you how great God is that still in our sinfulness, he sanctifies us and loves mm-hmm. us that much to make us more like him, right. which is... It's just mind-blowing. Yeah. The patience that that requires, like, to not just smite us where we stand is astounding. Yeah. The patience and the love and grace is just Mm. so weighty. It's amazing. All right, guys. It's time for IG Hot Seat. Um, Hey, I have picked a very basic question, but... I'm so excited. These questions just, like... Like, what could it be? There's so many options. There is. I don't know. And I had three, but I asked a friend today, and she said this is the one she would have enjoyed the most. So it's really, don't don't get too excited. It's really simple. Too late. (laughs) What activity coming out of, so we have come out of COVID-19 quarantine, where you've had a time for lots of things, but still, what activity do you wish you had more time for right now? Oh, man. That's a good question. Annie? Um, see, I don't know if it's like one specific activity that I wish I had more time for, but I just wish there was more daylight in the day, like that the days were just longer so that I could sleep in and then <laughs> do my... So sleep. Sleep might be the answer. Um, wow. <laughs> so that I could sleep in, but then still have a ton of morning left to like you know sit on the porch in the cool breeze and like <laughs> read and just hang out so you want it all so it's just not enough yeah, time. so basically what i'm hearing is that annie just wants to do what she's already doing but just have more time to do it <laughs> exactly <laughs> okay that's fair that's fair um i don't know if this will require more time or just more discipline but i would love to like learn a language and like work towards fluency and like Ooh, that's good. something yeah I think like I mean French I took French in high school and college so like 
je parlais en français, oh. comme ci, comme ça. Oui, oui. Just, <laughs> if you are listening to this and you are fluent in French, I am so sorry. <laughs> I don't even know if that made sense. But, um, so I think that would be really cool. Um, but yeah, what about you, Avery? Because that's a good question. Um, I think there's like so many things I could say. I know that there's so much. Like I love the um, more days, more hours in the day. I love wanting to learn a language. It's, something I've always wanted to do but probably never will we'll see um I think just have more time to like soak up conversation with like everybody I love I think just Mm, living far from people I miss having just time to like spend with my family and then with friends but have enough time that I feel like I adequately catch up with somebody I hear what's on their heart I get to listen to them and so I think just time time to be with people would be really special well, i will i will talk to you whenever you want avery Thanks. and make sure you get that time <laughs> even though you're like time with people and here's alexa saying you can talk to me <laughs> like it's probably not even the people you're referring no, to no no i mean i wish that we all I feel like we talk pretty often i know we do and marco polo is great and technology is amazing for that so i am thankful we live in a time where we can do that but in person, it just doesn't be being in person. And so yeah, we're actually, yeah. this is going to be releasing after our girls trip. But next week, all of A-Team will be yes. together. And if y'all don't know, we call oh, each other yeah. A-Team because we're all A's. We've called each other that yes. since we were little kids. So yes, it's kind of iconic. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, it's really but we're really excited for our in-person time together because it's been, what, since Christmas? It's been too long. Been too I, I'm like, long. I, I'm like you said, I'm thankful for Marco Polo and FaceTime, but I just want to give you guys a hug. I know. <laughs> I know. So we're just going to start sobbing on this podcast. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know. We're breaking social distance next week for sure and giving yes. each other a hug. That is for sure. Yes. Okay, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today on Imposing Grandeur Radio. Join us next week where we will be talking about God's holiness um, and we look forward to it. Thanks guys. Woo! Bye. Bye.